Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Inside the Winner's Circle here on the Win Life Podcast with Awilda Rivera. I am super excited tonight because I have not just an incredible person, but a homie of mine on, and her name is Artesia Balthrop, okay? With 13 years in me, has thrived on multiple platforms with an uncanny ability to transition from project to project. She has had stints in reality TV, live event productions, and now finds herself as the executive producer marketing agency arm, Cornerstone. Her past work is working with flagship media brands like VH1's Hip Hop Honor, Storytellers, and Factory, TL Next and New York, as well as Essence Magazine award-winning website, Essence.com, and now, and still, with Jay-Z on his award-nominated YouTube channel, Jay-Z's Life and Times. I don't know how she honestly finds time to do all these things. I know that ever since I was little and I first met, I always admired her hustle. And I knew that whatever she ended up doing, she was going to do her way and do successfully. So without further ado, Artie, homie, thank you so much. Oh, that was quite an intro. Thank you for having me. Um, I, As you were reading my bio, I was like, is that me? <laughs> it's always weird to have people read that stuff back to you because you're like, oh, well, I guess I have done a lot. Yes, yes. So nowadays, right, 2018, we're seeing a lot of more people that look like us in the industry. But you've been in this industry since before you know, Black Panther was hot, right? Mm-hmm. Being a spotlight on people like Ava DuVernay and others. So, I mean, talk to me about and let the listeners know, you know, how is it that you came to production and why why production in the first place? Oh, man. Um, I, I practice telling my story and uh, with other people. I actually just spoke to an intern who asked me that same question. Uh, and it, it's still kind of, surprising to me that I ended up here. Um, I think ever since I was young, as you mentioned before, I I didn't know what it was that I was going to do with my life or wanted to do specifically, but I knew that I was going to make shit happen. Um, I just always knew that. Like I always felt like I was gonna command a room or command an army or command a group of people <laughs> to, um, yeah. <laughs> to set out and, and do whatever it, it was that I needed them to do, uh, which in college found me in the world of public policy. So I, I studied public policy um, and I realized that my focus on policy was fixing things, which was, you know, my natural ability. There's a problem it needs to be solved. But being a New York girl with a, with a hustling mentality and an interest in the arts and media, uh, I kind of found myself with the opportunity to apply that natural skill of figuring things out, but in, you know, in media. So I got my first job kind of haphazardly. Someone hired me because I had experience in, as an administrative assistant. Uh, and they, they took mm-hmm. a chance on me and gave me this job as an office assistant on a television show. Most people get into the industry by way of an introduction 
or an internship, but I just mm-hmm. happened to apply and because of um, all those good experiences in the world of policy and, and finance, someone take a chance on me. And I guess I also made a, a great first impression. And mm-hmm. from there, I just have never been unemployed, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I, I learned everything that I know about making television or, or making content. I learned it on the job. I remember in my mm-hmm. very first job, there was, um, it was called, oh, TV Land Confidential was the name of the show so long ago. And it was just a basic clip show and they interviewed people from your old shows, Happy Days and, and things like that. And they gave a behind the scenes look at what was happening on the show. Uh, and um, my executive producer, he would travel out for these shoots and he would come back with these receipts. And my line producer, which is the track I ended up going, which is the logistics of production, uh, she was always in charge of money and receipts and budgets. And at that time, I didn't really connect the dots as to what her role on the entire show was. But I knew that my task was when David Levin came back from a shoot, I had to get his receipts and I had to organize them. And if it was a cab, you put this code. And if it was a flight, you put another code. And after doing that, maybe like two or three shoots, something just clicked in my head one day. And I was like, hey, do these codes correspond to an overall budget? Am I allocating money within this, this budget? And my, my boss or my supervisor was like, yes, actually it is. And I asked, well, can I see the budget? Uh, and you know, usually office secretaries or office production assistants as they're actually called don't really get to see an entire show budget you know there are millions of dollars and people figure you don't really know what to make of that information so they usually don't just turn over like a three million dollar budget to you but she right, did right yeah but she did probably because I was bold enough to ask for it and I spent about two weeks with a pen and paper highlighter uh, on my train ride to and from work, going line by line through the budget. And mm. I would come back to work and I would see something in the budget and I go, the associate producer is on for six weeks at, certain, uh, at a certain rate. What does that person do? Why are they only here for six weeks when I'm here for six months? And I would get a tutorial on the role of the associate producer and what their job is and where they come into the schedule or, um, you know, your editors, um, all this, the things that went into the actual shoot. Uh-huh. You know, I would just get these daily lessons from uh, Maria Locken is her name on what I was looking at in the budget. So I think I had this unique experience that's different from a lot of my peers where I learned all the all, what all the spokes in the wheel was from the actual budget. And I could go and identify people, roles, and things needed based on what I read in a budget. So after that job, I was filling in the blanks from what I took in from this budget. Mm. So with every experience, things would become a lot more clear to me. So if I didn't know what the editor on my first job did, by the time I got to my second and my third job, I had a a clear understanding because as I moved up, I was starting to touch more of the pieces of a production intimately. Um, You know, before before we get to thing, I want to just pause because there's so much you've already shared that I want to make sure people are catching on to. 
you know, mm-hmm. one thing that you said right out the gate was I didn't necessarily go to school for media. But yeah. when I came into it and I realized I liked it and I realized I was curious about it, I learned on the job. I went yeah. and I got the information. I made myself aware of what everything I was doing meant, right? What these numbers mm-hmm. meant so that you could not only be more knowledgeable, but that you could be better at your job and you could actually see if this is something you wanted to continue pursuing. Then beyond yeah. that, you sought out people that you felt were knowledgeable in what you were doing to give you that information. And I just want people to really understand that whatever it is that their field is, even if they're an entrepreneur and they're out there sort of getting it on their own, you know, because entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. sometimes have the syndrome of, oh, well, there's no one that can teach me because I'm doing it by myself. That's not true. (laughs) You know, there's other people in your industry. There's other people that you can research and you might not know them personally, but there's enough of usually out there where you can start to, as you did, reverse engineer mm-hmm. the knowledge in such a way that makes you more valuable and more accessible. And what I love about your story is that, you know, entertainment and media, everyone's like, you know, you have to know someone or it's so hard to get into. But you were brave enough to take the first step and then to say, OK, well, I know I don't have that. So let me make mm-hmm. sure I'm good at what I do. Absolutely. 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 You know me well enough, but that that's exactly what I did. Like I asked a ton of questions. And I think at that time in my youth, I um, was confident enough to really believe that there weren't any dumb questions. So I wasn't shy about asking. (laughs) I wasn't shy about asking, you know, everything from something as basic as to why we're using certain pencils um, at a shoe or, you know, to something as complicated as to why is our budget $3 million? Like I asked every single question and um, I think it endeared me to my higher ups and the people who were teaching me because a lot of kids come in and they're like, I know what I'm talking about, but I came in like, Hey, I don't know anything. All I know is how to file and follow directions. And I do that very well. And so I'm going to follow your directions. And they really appreciated me being confident enough to ask questions. So, yes, I would really like everybody listening to know, please ask questions when you don't know things. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how else are you going to find out? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I, was, I was grateful for an environment where my, my questions were welcomed and I learned so much from it. Uh, and just over the years, I always ask questions and once I moved into what I like to call maybe like my toddler phase of my career where I could walk a little and could talk a few few words and knew a little bit about what was happening around me I started asking different questions so at that point I had to build my network Mm -hmm. so I started asking questions of people like where's the next job you know where's the Mm -hmm. next gig and people were always very receptive to that. Um, and they also enjoyed working with me. So I, I definitely fe- have felt blessed in my career that people have really enjoyed working with me, even through some really tough projects. And that that likability is what would get me in the door on the next thing. And I would have to get in there and prove myself and work really hard and learn a bunch. But the likability was enough to get me to the table where I could ask questions of people. Um, So 
Yeah, media is is also an industry that is it's kind of vain in the way that like you know people really do have to like you and like mm-hmm. working with you, mm-hmm. uh, and they they give you those opportunities. But I knew that that was not just enough for me to continue working. It's like you like working with me, but do you like my output as well? So right, I've always. I've always had a, a high standard of output. I'm always driven to deliver because my job as a producer is measured by my delivery. Like, mm-hmm. is it on time? Is it on budget? And did it get done? Yeah. Um, and, and in that vein, it. you know, I'm curious, right? Because a lot of people may say, well, okay, you know, well, she's hungry. She's likable. She's focused. She gets it done cool. But, like, I mean, I... I don't know if I have what it takes or, you know, this is the first person or first woman of color that I'm really hearing about, like, in this in this role, you know, mm-hmm. that isn't maybe more in front of the camera or behind the camera, but someone that's in this role. You know, what would you, what what has your experience been around that or, or is has there been any experiences that you are like, oh, yeah, you know, that's something that was like, hard but it really helped me to keep moving forward and shape my experience Mm, yes absolutely um well one of the things that I came to understand is that it's not just about managing people above you or managing up as we call it or appealing to those who are um further ahead in their careers than you are, which a lot of people kind of come into the industry and they want to connect with those people. They want to connect with the the famous directors and, you know, the names that they've heard of before and they go out and they pursue those people. But where I've gotten a lot of support and work and encouragement has oftentimes come from my peers, people on my level. Um, So I, when I got into the industry, you know, being a woman of color, there wasn't very many of of myself. As a matter of fact, I remember the first shoot that I was on where I saw a Black person. Like, it was probably, like, a year or two into my career where I was like, oh, my God, who are, who are these brown people? What are, they, what are they doing? They work here? Like, they're not just the help. Uh, <laughs> okay. They're not because, catering? Yeah. They're not catering. They're usually like catering or crafty or production assistants and runners. I was like, oh, wait a minute. These are exec producers. Who are these people? Um, But I I remember that moment because I've been used to being all by myself up until then. But I was never terribly discouraged because I was building a network of peers, people along, you know, who were about the same age as me, who were making films at NYU, making films at Columbia Film School and SBA. Um, And, you know, it was just 13 years ago. Sounds like a long time. A lot has happened in technology. But about 13 years ago is when we people started making their own content because platforms were emerging where you could put stuff. So maybe about 10 years ago, you started to see the, the independent platform model spring up. So my friends just started making films. And we just decided to make these films together. So we were all spread out across our, you know, across the industry. Some people were in film school. I myself was, you know, I had a job at VH1. That was my day job. And people were all over the place in these, you know, these little silos where they didn't see any other black or brown people. But we all would unite on our passion to create stuff to create art and like in the very beginning I I realized that 
by doing that with them, you know, on Saturday and Sunday, I go shoot a short film with my peeps from NYU. And then maybe the next weekend we shoot a music video with my peeps from Brooklyn or something like that. But I was, I was learning exponentially by doing these side projects. Like my skill set was growing exponentially, but so was my network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, my drive to keep going mm-hmm. was, was um, growing as well. So I felt like that was like the best thing that I could have done to just keep myself moving forward was to connect, connect and align with people who were my peers. Yes. And the, be- the beauty in it right now is that so many of us, you know, 10 years, 13 years later, we're looking back and we all sit at these tables together, you know, like I remember when Ava DuVernay made her first film and all my friends worked on it, you know, or when Dee Reese made her first film and all of my friends worked on it. And I went in and volunteered my services as a production assistant for the day because it was just, you know, a young black woman making films. And we didn't know how many opportunities there would be for the Dee Reese's and the Ava DuVernay's of the world. So we all jumped in to really support each other and make sure each everyone's art was getting the attention and um, had that production value that we knew it needed to breathe out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, now I get to look around and I see all these, these people of color coming on board and I'm just like, this is, this is what it's supposed to be, but this is also what I've worked hard to make sure was the case, mm-hmm. you know, like, I just even, I don't know Ava, but like even looking at her, I'm like, gosh, this is exactly why I was working for free on NYU Films 10, 13 years ago, because I knew that there would become a day when we would all be at this place where our voices and our stories and our work would be respected. And now we can call on each other. That's right. And what I I get to put everybody on. What I love about what you're saying and what it is so universal about it and so true is that when you find your passion, when you find that what you're doing is lining up with what you want to do, right? You, you, I mean, you didn't necessarily fall into production, but the opportunity came to you and you didn't, you weren't shy by everything you didn't know instead you just learned it all so that you could keep doing this thing that the more you learned about it the more you loved it the other thing you talked about was instead of being so focused on you know and I I, Issa Rae has a good quote about this too instead of being focused on networking up you're networking across so you're not she stole that from me (laughs) when I saw that I was like girl this is what I tell my intern she stole that from me like minds okay like minds and I I just love that that's a message that you are spreading because it's true and I mean I've known Artesia for too many years for me to say on (laughs) um the record but let's just say I've known her through all those phases. I remember when she was doing the videos and doing the project and just everywhere. She was everywhere. And yeah. it was one of those things where you could see, right, even for someone that didn't understand, you know, because I didn't understand all the nuances of everything she was doing. I just knew that she was getting it. I knew that she was passionate about being in that industry and she was doing as much as she could to get the exposure, to get the contacts, to make it happen and what Mm -hmm. anyone that's listening out there should be taking away is like there are people like you in your industry and your field who are focused on really elevating getting to a point getting better etc 
You just got to align yourself with them. You got to be around them. You got to connect with them because that energy feeds off of each other. And through that, you raise up all together. Yes. You know? Yes, yes, yes. It's so, it's so, so, so important. I cannot stress it enough for people to be building with their peers. I, what I say to my interns are like, when you get to the table, I might not be there. Like, I hope to be retired on my island somewhere by the time you take this over. So you're going to have to have built up with your, your folks on your level so y'all can all sit at the table together. So cultivate those relationships and really invest in one another. Mm-hmm. And it, it warms me so much when I see them do that. Like, I, I told my old coordinator that, and she just hit me the other day and was like, I just signed up to work on my friend's 24-hour film project. And I was like, okay, girl, I want you to know those shits will really kick your ass, but <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead and do it. Build up with your friend and learn more about their passion and uh, teach them what you know about producing. And you guys will make something fun. Even if it doesn't turn out great, you'll at least have some lessons that you walked away with. You may find out you never want to work with that person again which has happened to me a lot, but you at least have the experience and you'll have a finished product. So, you know, definitely invest in working with your friends. Right. And, and so, you know, and just to touch a little bit on it, you know, the, I, you know, listeners are going to be listening from everywhere, but anyone that's Mm -hmm. from the New York tri-state area knows Fader magazine. No, if you're into, you know, fashion culture, music culture, since 1990 whatever you know the fader magazine right (laughs) and so when when you got to this place Mm -hmm. where you are now right and you look back at everything you go and there's still more for you to do yes you're going to retire early and since yeah. I am your peer and we have built, I'm going to be on the island visiting. Oh, cool, but, cool, cool. It'll be a nice little enclave for us. But, you know, being that right now the work isn't done and you still have, you know, some left of the mountain to climb. What is like your biggest takeaway? What is the thing that you're like, man, you know, this is the advice that I would give to other people trying to, trying to you know go this route trying to be either in entertainment or in a company or or make it and try to win on their own terms with something that maybe they didn't go to school for they don't know anyone in the industry what would you tell them what would I tell them um I would honestly I would tell them so much if I had to base everything (laughs) off of (laughs) what I've learned in the last uh six months after joining the fader or or its uh, agency arm um, the first thing is uh, a little backstory is, I, you know, I kind of jumped around in my career. I've done all types of media at this point. And this current spot as a, the executive producer at Cornerstone is a new role for me in a, in a new lane, which is um, marketing and advertising. Um, same, you know, same type of skill set. You got to deliver. Uh, there's just some language that you have to learn, different different approaches and, you know, just a little different mindset when you're making advertising, um, when you're advertising and marketing um, content. But one of the things that I'm now telling folks is like, get interested in advertising and, and marketing, like pay attention to it because so much of what's going on around us is, is people trying to sell us stuff. 
And there's an art to selling us stuff. And I didn't realize that um, it's a very small group of people who are allowed to sit at the table and sell, sell you stuff. Uh, everybody's very much interested in the, the narrative storytelling and making good content, not knowing that there's a, there's a strategy behind that. There's a tech arm to it. There's like all of these other things that go into what you're seeing. Um, so I, at this point in my career, I think I'm, I'm encouraging a lot of the babies who come to talk to me um, about looking, looking beyond just making content in the media space. There's, there's, the legal, there's the legal work, like I said before, there's strategy, there's finance, there's just so many things that kind of, that plug into uh, the world that is turning on your TV and watching something. So I'm, I'm encouraging people to kind of expand a bit because all you really see is like an actress or now you see reality TV stars on television or an, an artist or someone like that sitting down doing an interview or in a movie, not mm -hmm. knowing that there's just this vast world where everybody can have great careers and become specialists in these little like niche areas of the industry and, and build out something that's just for them, mm -hmm. which is my segue into point two of what I'm teaching people is that you can build out a section for yourself in any industry that's just for you. You know, like there are specialists that do just about everything. And the example that I, I always use is, I didn't realize until maybe like 10 years ago when I met um, one of my good friends whose dad was a product designer, I didn't realize that there's a, there was a person who designed packaging, you mm -hmm. know? And there was mm -hmm. an art, there was an art and a science to their packaging, you know, like you go and you look at just like a box of tea, which I'm holding in my hand right now. And there's a certain way that this box opens. And there's a certain place where the words are on this box. And that's by design. It wasn't an accident. Somebody put a lot of time and thought into that. And that person is really good at their job. And mm -hmm. it probably is only a few people that can do that. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I remember, I remember getting that lesson from learning about a product designer. Cause I'm like, wow, if I didn't think about the fact that there was somebody whose sole job it was to design packaging, what else around me did I not realize mm -hmm. was somebody's job, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and it really opened my eyes. I'm like, gosh, there's so much. I'm looking out the window right now and there's this beautiful landscaping on top of a, a roof deck. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a, there is a company who sold landscape architects, right? Landscape architects on roof deck, mm -hmm. roof deck specialists, you know, not even like your lawn specialist There's a person who specializes in putting this shit on top of roofs. <laughs> and so, you're like, wow, you know, that person on, makes a lot of money. No, absolutely. And what I love about that and why I think that's, you know, I love that basically the essential is like, yo, keep learning. Right, like mm -hmm. when, if people are trying to win like you, if they're trying to be like you, they gotta keep learning, right? Yeah. Because that's what you're focused on. You're saying like, listen, even even though I'm hitting new echelons in my career, I'm still open and honest enough to recognize when I'm coming into a new skill set and where I can still learn more, where I can mm -hmm. still be even more expert in understanding how all these little pieces work together. And what I love yeah. about 
how you kind of what you followed that up with is like okay and maybe if if you're someone listening that's like well I don't know that's too overwhelming then man carve out your little piece of whatever industry you're in you know if Mm -hmm. you want to be an ice cream dude make the best small batch ice cream that you make you know if you want to make beer then do that or if you're an an, an actuary and you want to jump it be the best freaking actuary there is you know carve out that think about who your demographic is work with them so yeah listen i pay somebody a lot of money he is a freelance barista and sometimes when i do experiential i do you know experiential activations i need to have a like a coffee shop set up and he comes with his little kit and he sets up and he makes the best drinks all day long. I pay a man $500 a day to be a freelance barista. Hello. And I, I hope that, <laughs> I mean, are y'all listening? Because yeah. it's not saying, Oh, what the heck? Why do you think about no, that person, that barista said, you know what? I fucking love coffee. I love coffee mm-hmm. so much that I'm going to dedicate myself to figure opportunities for me to show me working with coffee me offering this art Mm -hmm. this service because this is what I am good at this is my passion and my purpose and this person I'm sure that the first time they were like this is what I'm doing I'm a freelance I'm sure somebody hated on them I'm sure somebody you make coffee you making coffee go get a job at Starbucks bosses like Artesia are calling this dude up giving him guap to just make coffee so Literally on that note, we can't even give y'all any more wisdom because your brains <laughs> probably explode. So, Artesia, I know you're not like some of my other guests that are hella in the public eye or whatever. But if people, you know, if they want to see your work or if they want to learn more about the agency or if they want you to come and do a speaking engagement for them or their school, how can they connect with you? Ah, you know, um, I just said to somebody, I don't block any of my social media profiles because I feel like people, if they need me, they can find me. But for the best way to get to me is on LinkedIn. Just put in Artesia Balthrop. I have examples of my work up there. Um, You can always email me there. I actually have my email address on my LinkedIn profile. So um, for things like this, LinkedIn is great. You put, you can put me into Instagram. You'll just kind of get a, a day in the life of being <laughs> a producer from, a day in the life of being a producer. You get my long hours of working and when me and my team is on hour 20, trying to get a deck out, you'll get some of those musings. Uh, and then I'm also on Twitter. On Twitter, I like to kind of engage with my music community and my, you know, political interests as well. But you can find me on any of those platforms. Yes, and I mean, there'll name. be links in the show notes as well. And so, guys, I mean, I hope you're listening. I hope if you're just like, dang, it's so much, I'm going to run it back. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is a podcast now. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Artesia. And you're welcome. Y'all get out there and y'all win life. Oh, awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Awilda.